You guys are so kind. <laughs> Thanks for letting me come, Sandy, even though you knew me in the 80s. <laughs> that really is very kind of you. <laughs> it really is. My mom knows. <laughs> it is so fun to be here with you. I, this is such a joy. It really is. Like, look around you. We're together. How fun is this? This is a sweet gift, and I... I don't want to take it for granted. So thanks for coming and being together like this. It really is a sweet joy. Well, I am pumped to talk to you this afternoon about the local church. Um, I love the local church. Uh, and, oh man, it's how God's working today. So I'm really excited that I get to talk to you about it. But before we jump into it, I'm going to go ahead and open us up in a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you for your goodness and your kindness to us. God, I pray that as we open your word this afternoon, that you would open our eyes to the wonderful things in it, that we would see you, that we would know you more, that we would love you, and that we would seek, oh man, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would not just know things, but that we would change, that we would live in light of them, that each and every one of us, as a result of being here this weekend, would look more like Jesus as we go home. Help us um, to truly flourish as women in the local churches that we're in, and give me wisdom and help and, and guidance by your Spirit as I seek to communicate this afternoon. We love you. Thank you for your kindness and goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to talk this afternoon about flourishing as a woman in the local church. So I just want to break it down a little bit before we get, get too deep into this. The word flourish means to grow or develop in a healthy or vigorous way. Isn't that a great word? Yeah. Especially as the result of a particularly favorable environment. Some synonyms are to grow, thrive, prosper, proliferate, shoot up, bloom, or bear fruit. A lot of us as women today, I would submit to you, are not really flourishing in our local churches. And I, and I would put myself in that, in that camp with you. Um, we, uh, we are sinners who've been hurt by other sinners. And we find ourselves disappointed by people of which the local church is made up of. <laughs> um, we find ourselves, you know, connecting more and more with people outside our local church family um, rather than those in it because those people get me and affirm me better than those people inside my local church who are supposed to be like Jesus. <laughs> we tell ourselves these things. Um, we're confused about where we fit as women, I think, a lot of times. And in our pride and our discontentment with God's design, try to force our own ideas and agendas on what our function as women should look like in the local church. And then I think another piece that, that, that hinders us from flourishing is that we're just tired we're busy moms, we're busy wives, we're busy business owners, we're busy friends, um, all these things that, that are pulling at us, um, other roles and responsibilities that some days are just screaming at you <laughs> for your attention, literally, if you're a mom, right? <laughs> um, and it's hard in the midst of all of that um, to, to balance what does it look like in the local church in the midst of all these other responsibilities. And, and I think we come to our local churches feeling more like this dry, brittle plant <laughs> rather than one that is, that is flourishing and thriving. And I would like to submit to you this afternoon that that's not how God designed it to be. It's not. He designed us to, to flourish and thrive in our local churches. That's what he wants for us. And he's told us how to do it in the word. And he's given us everything we need in the word to really flourish. So that's what I want to do with you this afternoon is just look at the word. What does it say about how we can truly, genuinely flourish as women in our local churches? And I just have two points. Yay! <laughs> two steps that I think God wants us to take to flourish as women in the local church. So let's, let's jump right in. And I, there's no outline. It's a blank page. No pressure to take notes. You can write as much or as little as you want. Whatever learning style you got going on, you rock that. Okay, so how do I flourish as a woman in the local church? Number one, I need to root myself in the rich soil of the local church. This is my fun little visual for us this afternoon. And I love that it, like, matches. I didn't even plan that, but, like, it, like, matches. This is my fiddle leaf fig. I do not have a green thumb. 
at all. And oh, thank you, sister. Thank you. Oh, I do not. The older that I've gotten, the more that I have appreciated plants. And a few years ago, when we first came to Maranatha, where my husband is a pastor, a sweet lady gave me a plant for my birthday, and it was beautiful. And it lasted three months. (laughs) So ladies from Maranatha, please don't give me another plant. (laughs) Okay, but here's what happened. I had put it in my, in my like decor scheme, right? So when it died, it was like, oh, blank spot. So I was walking through Hy-Vee one day and this fiddle leaf fig like spoke to me and jumped in my cart. I know that's not biblical. He didn't actually speak to me, but <laughs> this fiddle leaf fig came home with me, even though I don't have a green thumb. And initially it did not do well. So what did I do? I Googled. <laughs> And come to find out, a lot of times when you buy a plant from a store that's not like a greenhouse, the dirt that it comes with is really bad. And, and, and I went and looked at it, and it's true. It was like all like shriveled up, (laughs) super hard. It was not good soil. So I Googled again, and I learned how to repot a plant. Aren't you guys proud of me? I do not have a green thumb. So I repotted this lovely little fiddle leaf fig. And guys, it was amazing. I put it in soil that had tons of nutrients. It, it, it was dark and it like took off. These top three leaves, I grew. <laughs> That's a big deal for me. <laughs> I know God gives the growth, but I, <laughs> I was really excited about that. But I think this is a great picture for us of the reality of our local churches. I think a lot of times the reason at the base level, that we're not thriving in our local churches is because we're not rooted in it. And you wouldn't pull this plant out and expect it to thrive when it's not rooted in dirt that's giving it nutrients that it needs. We need to be rooted in our local churches. Okay, so how do we do that? I'm going to unpack this a little bit more for us. Um, Number one, understand how God's word defines the local church. Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. This is really, this is like the crucial step here. Understanding what God's word has to say about the local church. It's not what I think. It's not what you think. It's what God's word says. So Ephesians gives us this beautiful, rich picture of what the local church is. The whole first chapter is amazing. Um, Oh, I love Ephesians 1. But you come to the end and we learn a little tidbit about the church. Uh, verse 22, Ephesians 1, 22. And he, being Christ, put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The local church is the body of Christ. Don't miss that or pass over that. It's not just some cool group of people. (laughs) It's the actual body of Christ. And what is it made up of? You go back and look through Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. It's made up of people who have been chosen in God, chosen by God. Verse 7, it's made up of people who have been redeemed through Christ's blood. Uh, Verse 13, it's made up of people who have been sealed by the Spirit. And verse 19, it's made up of people who have been enabled by God's power. And it's Christ's body. That's really important for us to understand foundationally. Two, Ephesians goes on to describe it in chapter two. Jump with me over to verse, chapter two, verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the church? It's God's household. It's, it's this building that we're like being cemented together to build. Isn't that beautiful? Like, if you came with people from your church, you're like, you're cemented together. (laughs) That's cool. And we're being built up into God's household. It's this new thing that God has created and is beautiful. And I need to understand foundationally what it is. Jump with me over to chapter four. We're going to learn one more thing before we leave this point. Chapter four, 
Jump in at verse 11. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Did you catch that? What is God's means for my growth? It's the church. Yeah. So that's like a game changer, okay? (laughs) If you're sitting out there and you want to grow, oh man, you got to get plugged into a local church. Yay. Okay, which brings me to my second point here. (laughs) Join a healthy local church and delight in God's good design for your growth. Um, If we truly believe what God's word tells us about the church, we're going to join up. We're going to want to be a part of that. If I say I love Jesus (laughs) and I'm not a part of his body, what does that say about what I really think about Jesus? I know, it changes things when I I read the word and and live in light of it. If it's it's a household of God, I want to be a part of that. I want to be cemented to that with Christ as my cornerstone. If it's the means by which I grow, oh man, sign me up. I need to grow. I need to look more like Jesus and I need help with that. Hook me up to the local church. Um, And it's beautiful. The local church takes what's invisible, the universal church. All of us here are part of the universal church. And our local churches takes what's invisible and makes it visible and gives us this body through which to live out scripture, to apply the one another's to, um, to make the body of Christ visible to a lost and dying world that needs to see him. So join up, find a local church. Again, it's this dirt analogy. If I ripped this sweet little fiddly fig out and just shook off the dirt and set that on my end table in my living room, it would not do very well. <laughs> it needs to be rooted in the soil of the word. And then th- thirdly, <laughs> I want to encourage you The idea of rooting yourself, it's not just joining up with a local church, but it's also prioritizing the gathering of your local church and the ministry of God's word in your heart. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor's wife. (laughs) Um, I I just want to encourage you to come faithfully to the weekly worship service. If all these things are true, how scripture presents the church, I need it. And I'm, I'm, I'm kidding myself if I think I don't. Um, so prioritize that. Worship is all about what we value. And when we come to worship God in our churches, we're, we're, we're showing that we value him as we hear the word taught, as I hear my sister down the pew sing it out as we worship. And it thrills my soul and reminds me, oh yeah, God is good. She believes it too. I need that. I need that. I need other believers to see me week by week by week, to speak the truth to me, to help me see where I'm blind to sin, where I need help, where I need encouragement. Um, Prioritize that gathering. Take advantage of every opportunity um, to to expose yourself to the teaching and preaching of God's word through your church. I I put these references up there for you, and I'd encourage you to write them down. I'm just going to read through them for you. Hebrews gives us a beautiful visualization of what the local church does for us. And I want you to listen and and hear it with me and rejoice in it with me. Hebrews 3, 12 through 13. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Oh, man. I need my pastor. I know he's my husband, but I need my pastor to preach the word to me every Sunday. Oh man, I one of our ladies who's here from Maranatha came up to me after our service last Sunday, and it was so sweet. He, my husband preached on John 9 and the blind man, and it was very, very 
gospel-focused. It was both for believers and unbelievers, but it was so sweet. She was just rejoicing in how much she needed the word and how much it blessed her soul. Ladies, you want to bless your pastor's wife? You go tell her that after her husband preaches. I went home and wept. <laughs> it was just so encouraging to me that, that a member in our church was so valuing the word that she was just, I need that. I need that, <laughs> that I'm not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 5.11, listen to this. Concerning him, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Do we need discernment today? Oh my goodness, do we? Do we ever? I, I, I need to prioritize the gathering of my church, the teaching. I need it. I need help <laughs> understanding the word and being able to discern what is good and evil. If you have children, oh man, get them in church. <laughs> They need help in the world that they're growing up to be able to discern good and evil. And God's design is that we get that help through our local church. And that's when we'll thrive, okay? My third verse, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. I love this one too. And let us consider how to stimulate or stir one another up to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. <gasps> I need that in the local church. I need my sisters to stir me up, <laughs> to encourage me, to love and good works, and to help me in that. And if I'm not faithfully coming, it's not going to happen um, like it can and like it should. So just a couple practical ideas for you as we give you this exhortation to root yourself in the local church and to prioritize the gathering. A simple one, just do what it takes to faithfully come, okay? As humans, you all know this. We do what we want. And if you have children, you really know that, right? <laughs> they do what they want. And we never really grow out of that. <laughs> and I know you're training that out of them, but it's human nature <laughs> to do what we want. <laughs> so if I really want to be in the church, I'm going to do what it takes to make it happen. Does that make sense? And I just, I just want to encourage you to, to do what it takes. Some things that have been really helpful to me in that process um, is, is not making other commitments on Sunday. Um, it's not Sabbath keeping, but it's prioritizing the Lord. And, and, and I want to make sure that he's my number one priority. We do this all the time. <laughs> if we're having someone over, we don't schedule something else for that evening. If our daughter's getting married, we're not going to schedule something else that weekend. We, we prioritize that. And, and really, that, that, that local church gathering should be the same idea. Um, when I was single, I worked a very demanding job, and, and uh, a, a push to maybe be present in ways that hindered the local church. And I just, I remember deciding, no, I'm going to commit to my local church. I'm going to choose to be a youth leader, even though it makes Wednesdays awful in some ways. Because you're, you're working, right, well, more ways than one, but you're working right up to that, you know, and you're exhausted, and then you have to go be really excited with all these teens. And, but, but God was so kind to bless that. When we got married, my husband did pulpit supply, but he just made a commitment. I'm, I'm just going to do once a month. That's it. And that's just what worked for us. I'm not trying to impose our, <laughs> our ideas upon you, but it was helpful to decide, even practically, how am I going to prioritize this? If this is really something valuable and really something that I need, I'm going to prioritize it. Okay, this one I really struggle with, and our women at Maranatha will attest to this. Sit more than you serve. This is a quote from Carrie Fulmer. This little booklet is outlined or uh, recommended on your little sheet in there. I'd encourage you all to get it. Look at it. Look at it. It's like centimeters, ladies. You can read this. <laughs> That's why I picked it. But it's excellent. It is excellent. Circle that one. Go to the bookstore and get it. It will encourage you. Um, sit more than you serve. Uh, when we come, worship God. And I struggle with this because I like to serve. I like to help people. I like to do all sorts of things. <laughs> but the best thing that I can do on a Sunday is sit and listen to the word. And that's what I need. And interact with my sisters about how God's using it in my heart and in my life. That's what I need. 
sit more than you serve. Um, and, and this one can be tricky. We, we, can, we can get busy serving. We can also get busy fellowshipping. You know what I'm saying? Where we're like out in the foyer till the service is, he's like 10 minutes into his message and we're like, oh, I got to get in there. <laughs> We've totally missed, you know, singing to the Lord and hearing other believers sing and you've missed half of his first point and so you're jumping in and you're like, what? <laughs> get in there. And I don't mean that in a legalistic way, but, but if, if I need it. I need to flourish. And the word is what's going to help me do that. So don't let those things hinder us from worshiping God. All right. We're heading on to point number two. Yay. So number one, root myself in the soil of the local church. Number two, follow God's word to grow in the local church. Okay, we're back to my fiddle leaf fig. I had another issue. Okay, who knows what this little tag is? <laughs> yep, when I Googled to find a picture of this, that, that this is not my fiddle leaf fig. My nails don't look that good, but uh, <laughs> they don't. Um, <laughs> I was like, uh, plastic thing in the plant that tells you what to do with it. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what this is called, but my fiddle leaf fig came with this cute little wooden stick thing. You've probably seen these. And it had like this adorable little like logo from whoever made the plant on it. And so what I did is I saw it and I'm like, oh, that's so cute. And then I picked it out and threw it away. But on the back of that cute little wooden thing <laughs> is all the instructions for how to make this grow well. And I totally missed the memo on it, okay? So we got it in, in rooted in good soil, but I, the location I had it at, we had some issues, okay? I, it, it was getting too much sunlight in the afternoon. It was next to one of our uh, return vent things that like blew on it all day and it didn't like that. And um, then I was also really overwatering it because we're nurturers. <laughs> and so <laughs> I was nurturing this little thing and he did not respond well to that. <laughs> so I Googled again and I found out, oh, I actually should put it on the east side of my house and only water it when the soil's actually dry and not have it by a return vent. And I did that. <gasps> And it thrives. And I think this is a great picture for us of what can happen with our lack of flourishing in the local church. We're not following the instructions that God's word has given us about how we're to function. And so we're not flourishing. We're back to that dry, brittle state. So I just want to give you three elements of how to follow God's word to grow in your local church. Number one, this one's so fun. They're all so fun. God's word is so fun. Serve in your local church, okay? One of the ways that we sabotage our growth is by not following God's instructions to serve. It, it's hard. It's tempting to go to church and to make it all about me. Um, my needs, my wants, how I feel, um, my desires, rather than about loving God, valuing him, and serving others as he's designed me to do in the local church. Look back in Ephesians 4. Um, if you're still in the book of Ephesians with me, we, we just read it, those verses 11 through 16. Oh, this is so cool. He, he gave us pastors to what? Verse 12, equip us, the saints, for the work of service so that we might build up the body of Christ. Jump down. Oh, it's so beautiful. The whole, the whole thing is so beautiful until we grow to be that mature man in verse 13. And as a result then, verse 14, we have stability. We're no longer tossed here and there, but we have stability. Verse 15, we're to speak the truth in love that we might grow up. And then verse 16, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Your growth is dependent on other people serving. You within the local church, that's how God designed it. Their growth is dependent upon me serving in the local church. That's how God designed it to work. Every part working properly contributes to the growth of the body. 1 Corinthians 12 is a, a beautiful passage that, that pictures this as well, where we all are different, just like there are different body parts that have different functions, but we're all to work together. And I love this, this passage in 1 Corinthians is so helpful. Verse 7 says this, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Do you know what that means? It means I've been given gifts and abilities to use in my local church for my sister's good. 
not for me to feel good, (laughs) not for me to feel used, not for me to feel valued. (laughs) I've been given gifts for the common good of people in my church. That's awesome. That's how God designed it. But we're quick um, to get that flipped. It's cool, too, in that 1 Corinthians 12 passage, the focus really is on being unified. It talks about all these different body parts and the hand saying, oh, I'm not a foot. And, um, but the point of it all is that we're unified and that we're working together for the common good. It's really fun. I'm, I'm, I'm to be content that God has made me a pinky <laughs> or a knee <laughs> or an armpit. <laughs> I'm to be content in that and to function like God has made me. And it's not a she's cooler than I am. It's this unified pursuit of encouraging one another to be more like Jesus, and it's for the common good. Um, go over to 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. Mm. This is a special passage to me. God first really used this in my heart when I was in college. I can remember exactly where I was sitting the first time I read it. First <laughs> Peter 4, um, 10 through 11. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I love that. Um, we're, We're to serve so that God will be glorified. We're to serve... One another. It's not about me. I love in scripture all these different lists of of spiritual gifts. They're all different. Did you know that? No list is exactly the same, which I think was intentional by the Lord. I don't think those are exclusive lists, actually. The idea here, and you see it here very clearly in verse uh, 10, is that we're stewards of the manifold or various colored grace of God. So the idea more is that God is giving me grace to serve in my local church however he wants me to this week. Now, don't misunderstand me. Um, There is something too, you know, I really enjoy working with kids, so I'd like to work with kids. Or I'm really bad at working with kids. You don't want me in there. Like, there's something to that, okay? But I would also say that it's more about grace, God's grace working in me, than it is about my gifting or my ability. Does that make sense? I have a friend who's a missionary over in Germany, and their church is small. So right now she's managing the decor of the church. She is not a decorator. She would tell you that. She would tell you that. <laughs> she's like, Carrie, it's awful. So, but God is giving her grace to do that. And as soon as they get a member who's passionate about decorating, oh, man, here you go, sister. <laughs> but God is giving her grace to meet that need. Does that make sense? We're so quick to make serving about me and about how I fit rather than it just ministering God's grace in the lives of others and glorifying him. Okay, so some practical ideas. How do I actually do this? Pray. Oh man, you would be amazed what God will do if you start praying. Lord, I want to serve in my local church. I don't know how, or I'm serving in a way and I don't really like it. Help me. You start praying, God will give you opportunities to serve, okay? This has been true in my own life. It's been true when I'm uh, sitting more than I'm serving and giving things away. (laughs) Women have been like, oh, I've been praying about a way I could serve. Thank you for asking me. That also makes me weep (laughs) Um, in a good way. But two, ask your pastor and ministry leaders how you can serve. (gasps) Oh man, again, you're going to make their day if you do this. I've had this happen to me three times in the last two week, two weeks where a woman has come up to me and said, I'm free on Wednesday nights. I just want to serve. Can you just plug me in? Yeah! <laughs> we would love to plug you in. Those conversations also make me weep out of joy that, that, that they're wanting to serve. And, and it's such a sweet gift. Be that woman. <laughs> um, See a need, meet a need. This is an idea, again, from, from Carrie's book. And I, I, this one is helpful. I think sometimes we passively wait on the sidelines thinking I have to have a position or a title or that there has to be, like, an official ministry 
in order for me to serve. And that's just not true. <laughs> Get in there. <laughs> if you like talking to old people, go visit some shut-ins. Even if your church doesn't have a shut-in ministry, you can do that. You have God's spirit in you. If you love kids, get plugged into your kids' ministry. Or maybe they don't have any, have any openings right now or something. Get to know the kids in your church. Every Sunday, you find them. You get down on their level and you, you love them. Get to know them. Serve. See a need, meet a need. Our women at Maranatha do this so well. I love them. Sorry. <laughs> my, my twos and threes teaching buddy did this the other day. The kids' crayons were all broken and too small for their fingers. And so she just went out and bought, you know, those chunky crayons and refilled all the crayons. She saw a need, she met a need. Another one this last Sunday, or I'm sure you all know this problem. The bathroom was smelling because the trap had dried up. I didn't know about this. She mothered me, this woman in my, in my church. She, she said, Carrie, you got to pour a pitcher of water down the, you know, the drain thing, and that then fills up the trap, which prevents the sewage smell from coming up. But she just did it. She just did it. She didn't come to me and say, hey, Carrie, you need to do this. <laughs> she saw the need, and she met the need, and it was beautiful. It was so encouraging. <laughs> See the need, meet the need. Um, we have a couple other women who, who have... Our pastors have been trying to establish biblical discipleship in our church. And some of those women are here this weekend, and they graciously agreed to help lead a new ministry to help our women start connecting and discipling one another, even though they're really busy and, and full. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. God's been so kind through them. Serve. And then, fourthly, avoid the pitfall um, of using the church as a platform for your gifts and abilities. And this can be a sneaky one, too. Um, it's not... Uh, what ministry can we start in the church that will highlight me and my gifts and abilities? It's, what's God doing? How are my pastors leading? And how can I jump in with that? How can I get on board with what, with what our church is doing and really thrive in that way? Where are the needs of the church right now? And how might God use me to meet them? It totally flips it. It's no longer about me. It's all about the church and what God is doing and how the leadership is taking it. Does that make sense? It's a, it's a, it's a game changer. Okay. So, serve in our local churches. That's how we're going to follow God's word to grow in our local church. Number two, oh, this one is so fun. Commit to God's design for community in your local church. Another way that I think we as women especially can sabotage our flourishing in the local church is by looking for community outside of it. And it's not wrong to find community outside of it. Don't misunderstand me but we begin to find our primary community outside of it. And I don't think that's how God designed it. God designed us for us to find our primary community in our local churches. And sometimes it's really hard and messy, I'll be honest. <laughs> but I really do believe it's how God has designed it. Um, and, and we don't want to be content with that. And, and uh, we as women are very relational, and, and we can just believe the lie that our community, primary community, needs to be found elsewhere. So I want to show you from the word what God teaches about this. So, oh, it's so cool. God has actually designed it that the church is your family. It's not just a bunch of people who also happen to love Jesus. They're your family. This is precious. Jesus taught this in Luke 8, 19 through 21. If you want to turn there, you can. If not, I'm going to read it to you. I know I have lots of passages, but the word is what we need, okay? 8, 19. And his mother and brothers came to him, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. And it was reported to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. But he answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. It's this revolutionary new teaching that, that as he's Bringing in the church, it's this, it's this family. He does it again in Mark 10, 29 through 30. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake. Listen, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. I love this. The church is a family, and this is a precious truth. I think the Lord really began to use this in my life. When I was single after college, I went to a church, um, and they, they loved me so well I, I'm in my singleness. Um, there was a family that kind of adopted me, and so 
every Sunday that it worked, I would go to their home. They had three kids, and it was just so fun to sit at a dining room table. You know, I had my little apartment and whatever, but (laughs) it was fun to be in a home and to be with kids and to see a mom and a dad. And I knew, I mean, my parents lived an hour away from where I lived then, but if I ever got a flat or whatever, I knew I could call Sean and he would be there <laughs> um, as part of my church. I, there was another group of older women. They, they did a Bible study and they invited me to be a part of it. And I was the only young one and the only single one in there. And there was a slice of me going into it that was like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> but oh my word, God used that as I sat and, and heard oh, about their walk with God and their love for him and their knowledge of the word. And I needed that and that they became my family. And that's not to diminish our biological families <laughs> as I have my sister and my mom sitting out there, <laughs> but it's how God designed it. This has also become really precious to me as I've gotten older. My husband and I, we have not been able to have children, but God has blessed us so much through our local church. And those sweet little kids in our local church, they're like our children. And we love them. And our our parents are so kind to let us have a part in their kids' lives like that. They're so kind to us. They let us keep them over the weekend so they can have a date night. You're like, oh, I'm coming to your church. But But it's such a blessing. It's such a blessing to be able to encourage these sweet little kids to love Jesus and follow Jesus and to be another adult in their life that's modeling that for them. And the church, it's a family. I have mothers in my church that are sitting out here right now who have mothered me. You help me know to put water in the trap. Huh? <laughs> That's how the local church is supposed to function. It's a family. Um, two, God's design for community in the local church. Know and live out the one another passages. I have this fun little visual for you all from, I think it's visual theology. This is like a poster. Sorry, it's hard to see you from far away. But it's all the one another or each other commands in scripture. And they're colorized. So the red ones are love, the Gold ones are humility, the blue-green ones are respect. So the size of the circle reflects how many times it is commanded in Scripture. Did you know (laughs) that all these commands to do these things are in the context of the local church? (gasps) That's like a game changer. If I want to know how to thrive in my local church, Google one another passages and do your devos in that for as long as it takes to get through it. And you pray, God, help me not to know this, just know this, but to live it out in my local church. This is what God wants us to do. And it's so beautiful. We as women like a plan, don't we? (laughs) Here's the plan. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) It's that easy. And God's spirit is in you to help you. Um, This last one on community, I, I, I wanted to highlight because I think we as women can struggle with this one. Don't let bitterness take root in your heart and life, specifically in the realm of community. And this this falls under those one another passages where we're forgiving one another. Um, we, we, We can struggle with this as women where someone has hurt me in my local church. And it's hard in the local church because, again, it's like, oh, these people are supposed to be like Jesus. And she did not just treat me like Jesus would treat me. (laughs) And my flesh rears up. And I want to harbor that bitterness against her. And it's hard. But what God calls us to, his design for community, is that we forgive. Like, I've been forgiven. Oh, I've been forgiven of a lifetime of sin. Who am I to hold that over her? (laughs) Don't let bitterness take root in your heart and life. That's a big reason why we don't thrive as women. is because we're too busy being angry and bitter and here that we're not loving and reaching out and letting other people love and and reach into our hearts and lives. Okay, last point. You guys are doing so great. Thanks for for sticking with me. Thirdly, following God's word to grow in the local church, embrace God's unique and good design for you as a woman in your local church. Ah, this one's fun. We, We have bought into our culture's mantra that women are the same as men. And then we upped it an ante and said, oh, we can do anything better. <laughs> we can do what they can do and we can do it better. And this is so quick to sneak into our hearts. I, it did just like yesterday we were, I work at the church office. 
we have two pastors, and we were making some coffee, our afternoon coffee. We usually have an afternoon coffee, a little pour-over. So we were kind of hanging out around the pour-over, just chatting. And our associate pastor was sharing that he uh, was going to go disc golfing with his wife, and that when they go disc golfing, they use this thing called girl par. And I was standing there, and I was like, excuse me? <laughs> what did you say? He's like, girl par. What's girl par? And I, like, I could feel it in here, okay? <laughs> like, tell me about girl par. And sweet Ryan, he, he's like, uh, well, um, <laughs> it's where I let her have an extra throw each basket or whatever. I'm clearly not a disc golfer, but because um, that kind of like evens it out or whatever. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Which is like totally logical. Like the circumference of his arm compared to her arm, like, Thank you, Ryan. Like, of course. Like, she can't throw it as far as he can. Are there some women out there who could? Absolutely. But typically, <laughs> I can't throw it as far as Pastor Ryan. <laughs> he has more strength than I do, okay? Um, God has designed us differently. And I think in our flesh, we, we fight that. We, we, oh, we fight it. And it sneaks up in funny ways. And, and it comes out in the church. And it's not from the Spirit. That thinking is not from the Spirit. It's driven by my flesh. It is. And it can be traced all the way back to the fall. It's not how God designed it to be. It's not. And we need to recognize it. At its, at its core, it's really just prideful discontentment with the way that God has made me, rather than embracing his good design and functioning within it. Um, and I really do think this has seeped into our way of thinking and functioning in the local church in sneaky ways. <laughs> And the truth of God's word is that men and women alike are co-heirs in God, in Christ. But we've also been created by God to be distinctly different. And when we ignore that, defy that, become discontent with those differences in the church, we won't flourish. We will become brittle. So how do we do that? How do we embrace God's design for us as women? Number one, own it. <laughs> own your role. As mother, daughter, and sister. I love this. Go over to 1 Timothy. We get some very helpful instruction here. It is. It's so helpful. First Tim or Timothy is getting this helpful instruction of how to treat people within the church. Chapter 5, verse 1. Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers the older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters in all purity. It's the household of God, and our role in it is mother, daughter, sister. Embrace it. It's a beautiful thing. God has created you to be a helper, to be a nurturer. Do that in your local church. Don't shrink back from it. And I say this to myself. <laughs> don't shrink back from it. Embrace it. The church hurts when I don't. Um, again, it's those pictures that I was giving you before of, of Lance and I loving littles in our church and um, uh, me letting older women speak into my life. Um, moms letting me disciple their teen daughter and not uh, shying away from that, but welcoming that. That's cool. That's the body being the body. That's, that's us functioning how God has designed us in our role as mother, daughter, and sister. The second one for you here is to humbly teach women and be taught by women. Oh man, this is what God's word instructs us to do. The Titus 2 principle that we are discipling one another as women, that I'm learning from our older women in my church and that I'm looking for younger women that I can be discipling. Um, follow someone and and um, let someone follow you. And it's so, such a blessing. It's not that I have all the answers. I don't. But we know where to go. And so when she asks me a question that I don't know, let's find out together. <laughs> I love Jesus. You love Jesus. Let's follow him together. You're further down the path than I am. I want to learn from you. This is how God designed it, that we would would thrive as women in the church in this way. Um, taught and teach and be taught. All right, and then the last one, <laughs> submit to God's plan for authority within the local church. And this one we can struggle with too. <laughs> what God's word teaches is that men are to lead 
in the role of pastors and women are to submissively follow. That's what the word teaches. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. Very, very helpful verses. Read them with me. 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 11. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man to but remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Oh, super helpful passage. And again, our flesh wants to like flare up against that. But I want to look at it with you real quick. I want want to help you understand it on a deeper level. And my husband warned me, don't get in the weeds. So I'll try not to get in the weeds. But verse 11, a woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness were to learn in silence with full submission, okay? This is cool, though, because Timothy, what he's doing is encouraging our growth and participation. Did you catch that? We're to learn. We're not, like, to be out in the back where you can't hear. And <laughs> No, you're part of the body. Learn, grow with everyone. The women are to learn, okay? However, this learning is to be done within God's designed order. What is that order? We are to learn with silence, This word for silence is actually the same word used back up in verse 2. I think this helps us understand it a little better. For kings and all who are in authority were to pray for them, sorry, in its context, so that we may lead a tranquil, that's that same Greek word, peaceful, okay? So the idea is not, you sit there and you don't say a word, okay? (laughs) That's not the idea of it. The idea of it is that I'm a peaceful woman. That I'm not sitting out there in my heart undermining everything the authority's doing and saying, and and that may flesh itself out in words in which I do need to be quiet. (laughs) But it's more than that. Does that make sense? It's reflective of this heart. Am I resting and trusting in the Lord and therefore a woman that has a steadiness and a peacefulness about her? Or am I not an all up in angst? about anything and everything, pushing to have authority. Um, My actions are to be characterized by this quietness. Um, Psalm 131 is a beautiful picture of this to me. Um, It talks about how when we're quiet before the Lord, we're like a weaned child in its mother's arms. A weaned child in its mother's arms is not written around (laughs) because it's been weaned, okay? When I'm not trusting God, I am rooting around. (laughs) And you all know that. (laughs) You've been that woman and you've seen that woman who's anxious and out of control and wants to control everything. (laughs) That's not what God has called us to be. He's called us to trust him, to rest in him. And that's a woman of strength. Does that make sense? It's beautiful. Verse 12, women are not to have the kind of roles associated with the pastor of the church teaching the word authoritatively to men like a pastor or exercising authority over men like a pastor. And this is the order in the local church designed by God. And Paul's logic then moves in verse 13 to why is that the way it is? Because that's how God designed it all the way back in creation. It's not based on current culture. It's not based on Paul's personal opinion. It's actually based on how God has made us as men and women, that that men lead as pastors and women don't. (laughs) It's beautiful. I I have this quote here from another book. If you're a reader, I'd encourage you to pick this book up. I don't know if the bookstore has it. I may not have gotten in the title in time, so sorry about that. But it's called Women and God. Very helpful if you like learning and want to read more about your role as a woman. Excellent resource. But here's what she says about this passage. Through the logic of these verses, Paul bases his order of authority within the church directly on God's original creation order. Just as the New Testament's teaching on headship and marriage takes us back to Genesis, so does its teaching on church order. The argument of this section in 1 Timothy 2 appears to progress like this. Women should not have this certain kind of role associated with the overseers, elders of a church, because this kind of authority was invested in the man at creation when he was first made. The man was given God's word to live by and then held responsible by God for guarding that word above all else. And you see his logic continue in that when he goes down in verse 14. It was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman was deceived and fell into transgression, okay? The idea there is not that we as women are more gullible. We might be, (laughs) but that's not the point of the verse. The point of the verse here is that 
Eve was deceived and then sinned by eating the fruit. Adam was not deceived. He was fully aware he was going against what God had said, but ate the fruit anyway. And rather than function as the leader God had designed him to be and to help his wife see her, her, how she'd been deceived, he, he submitted himself to her. And that's not God's design. The woman took on headship and the man submitted. And that's not how God has designed it. Um, the point is that leadership in the church goes all the way back to God's good, wonderful, beautiful design. Okay, We've been designed to learn with quiet and submissive hearts and actions from the men that God has given us as gifts to be pastors in our, in our churches and to have authority in that way. I want to close um, by reading a sweet quote. I know I've been talking at you a lot, so hang with me. This is helpful, even specifically in the realm of, of functioning within God's good design as women. Here's how she talks about the word. The book of James tells us to humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. A humble acceptance of God's word means a spirit-empowered receiving of God's word without adding to it or taking away from it. A process this we're going to talk about is staying on the line. Okay? In the Charles Simeon Trust Workshops for Women that I sometimes help teach, we have one instruction called staying on the line. It's all about staying on the line of scripture not leaving out parts we don't like, <laughs> and not adding parts we think are needed, <laughs> like the Pharisees in Jesus' time tended to do with all their extra rules. Not staying on the line is nothing new. It's what Eve did in Eden when she told the serpent that God had said not to eat the fruit of the tree nor to touch it. She added to it. Eve went above the line. Then she let go of the line. She lost the lifeline of God's word. It is so easy to want to say more or less than God has said, particularly about issues relating to women. If a biblical instruction seems too hard for me, for example, Paul's instruction to Timothy that a woman should not teach or exercise authority over a man, I instinctively look for ways to dodge that line. I want to go below the line if I diminish the import of those words, perhaps explaining them away as culturally bound, though they're linked in scripture with truths from creation. If I go above the line, um, I want to use those words to forbid all teaching and leadership of women in the church. <laughs> in the process of searching out the line of scripture, it helps us to remember that we're talking not about a line of judgment, but about a lifeline. We're talking about hearing and following the voice of God that graciously reveals to us the path of life open to us through his son. And so we can pray with the psalmist, lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. God's word is a lifeline. Don't forsake it. That's how you flourished as a woman in the local church. To root yourself in it and then cling to the lifeline that is God's word. Don't let it go. Don't let the sway of our culture or your own flesh tear you away from it, okay? Choose to rejoice in how God has made you as a woman. It's a beautiful thing. Fight your flesh in becoming discontent with the roles God has given you. Um, it's so interesting. The New Testament speaks over and over and over again of people, of women, sorry, having a gentle, quiet, submissive spirit. Those are the strongest of women. They really are. <laughs> the ones who are saying no to their flesh and humbly submitting themselves to God in his way. That's a woman of strength. And if we want to flourish in the local church, we want to adopt that. So pray with me as we close. Father God, I thank you again for your kindness to us. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Um, for sending him to die on the cross for our sins in our place, bearing your wrath, and then for giving us his righteousness. I don't deserve that, but I thank you for it. Thank you for designing the local church that we might learn and grow and thrive together. And I pray that you would help us as we return to our local churches to do just that, to not just know these things, God, but give us the help to daily walk in the Spirit and choose to rejoice in the good design that you've given us. Help us to be women of the word, to cling to the lifeline that is your word. We love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.